You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. And welcome to the Vicious Circle, Sid. How you doing? Good, Rob. How you doing? Who we got on the show with us today? This is the one and only Doctor Stevel. <laughs> wow. Good, Sid. How are you? Yeah, doing good. I, Steve. I got a little bit of coat scruff, right? Uh, you know, because you're here, I grew this so I could look like Goldberg to intimidate you a little bit. You know, to get you in the mood. <laughs> oh, gross me out. Where's the makeup? <laughs> the guy looks a lot much better with makeup. Right, um, Goldberg. Yeah, I know. I mean, but this yeah, is what you got, man. <laughs> so, how you been? Good. How about you? How are you guys doing today? Ah, uh, good so far. <clears throat> it's pretty good. It's a bit chilly here in Ontario, but um, it is what it is. Yeah, luckily okay. the snow is gone. Yeah, for is now. it? Is yeah, it is? good for now. <laughs> well, I've asked you this before, Rob. The snow doesn't come there and just stay till summer. Not oh no no like around this time it usually comes and goes. Does it, it come a time that it'll stay? In January, like end of December, January, usually we get it and it's there till Marchish. Okay. Usually then. when the weather drops past like zero degrees, then it'll probably stay <laughs> until we get warm weather, like one or two degrees Celsius. There we go. That's a better name for him. It's Oldberg. Gross Oldberg. Oh, man. Nicole, putting gross up there is not cool, man. It hurt my feelings. You're next. (laughs) That scared her. Even Jeffrey says, Dr. Stevel and Sid in the same place. How is this not a pay per view? (laughs) Yeah, there you go. That screen right there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can't get COVID like that or uh, VD. See, <laughs> I'm not sure what kind of wrestling you're playing, in, but you're scaring me now. So, Sid, one of the things we wanted to talk about, um, I remember we just before the show was conventions and your autograph signings and stuff. How is that changing with the future? Well, we all three talked about a little bit, you know, same thing with you guys, conventions up there for your um, your film festivals and all that up there. Um, I think we talked about. The one I went to California, we'll just go back on a little bit. When I left here out of Memphis, you know, the connected flight was in Dallas and Dallas, California. Um, it was like every, you've heard on TV, the people were, you know, like one person was in one aisle, then there wouldn't be anyone. It was real spread out. But once we got to, um, uh, got there into California, it was like that getting there. But on the way back, I noticed there was a lot of people at the gate. 
so we got on the flight. It was there wasn't an empty seat, and I asked the lady. I said I thought that this was uh, um, you know, um, by the rules, you know, uh, media uh, mitigation, you know, that where people would be three six feet apart, wouldn't be sitting on next uh, next to each other. And she said, no, um, the airlines just had it like that. So I just took it. They didn't care. And um, they got you on the, got, no, for me, what am I going to do? I'm in California. My bags are in the plane. Um, if it takes off without me, I don't get home to the next day. These promoter people say what you they can say what they want. They're not going to pick up the phone after they drop you off. You know what I mean? I mean, these guys might have, but again, it's just, it's too much. So I went ahead and went through it. Um, we, it was completely sold out, not a seat left. So the, just as my luck would have it, there was me, two people to my right, and then I was on the aisle. Uh, then there was a lady, and then there was two people next to her, a man and woman. Um, man and woman was arguing. I heard him talk about something. Um, the lady looked like she was maybe three, four months pregnant. The argument was that evidently the guy had been flirting with another woman at the um you know, connecting flights somewhere else. I think she said Philadelphia. <laughs> so it got to where I thought she was going to love me, Bob. And next thing I know, boom, she hits him. And so she goes flying over the seat. And the, the one lady on the aisle tells her, first of all, says, hey, uh, while they're arguing real loud, she goes, ma'am, you, you might want to be quiet. You know, these they're kicking people off flights. You, you might want to watch what you're, you know, keep it down a little bit. She said, lady, if you don't shut your mouth, I'm going to beat your ass like he's fixing to get his ass beat. And I was like, oh, God, this isn't happening. Sure enough, boom. So she hits him. She jumps over. Everybody runs down the aisle. He takes off after him. Long story short, the cops finally come, take them both off the plane. So I asked the steward, and I said, hey, man, um, does this happen all the time? He goes, yeah, it is happening all the time. He said, mostly on weekends. And I said, well, you know, someone told me, a girl I know worked for Delta, and she had to give her notice because all this is going on. She said that she heard it happen too. But the reason being is the people that are flying today aren't people that normally fly. They're people who get these cheap tickets. And I noticed that at the airport. And it was just everybody. I'm not trying to be a jerk here, but everybody looked like um, like carnival people or, you know, uh, gypsies. I'm not kidding. It's just no one looked civilized. It was just like, oh, man, this is well, like scrapping in the seats. I guess I'm not. <clears throat> Then at the autograph signing, a guy comes up. You know, first I'm told there was going to be a shield between us and everybody'd have masks. <clears throat> None of that was in play. And then um one guy came up to me just, you know, right in my face. Bleh! And just of alcohol. I mean, of course, if you can spell alcohol that close to you, um, <laughs> you're you're probably going to be that close to the virus. Now, like a dumbass, I feel bad about no one else wearing mask, and there's no, you know, I thought, well, I'm the only one sitting here with a mask. So I take it, put it on, take it off. But finally, just this one guy, this is the time I didn't have it on. And I was like, okay, you know, and no one cared, you know. So um, <clears throat> I don't understand it. I had a friend of mine call me the other night, said that a lot of these people were going out doing these autograph signings. I had two people, three people call me the other day. They're all supposed to call back tonight, wanting an answer. You know, and I told them, I said, man, this is they're asking about one in March. Uh, I'm sure this has something to do with WrestleMania. Um, but it's just I said, man, I don't think they know what's going to happen in March. And we all three talked about that, too, especially for you, Rob, with your film festival and your um, what's the other thing you got going? Uh, well, co uh, Comic-Con. 
Yeah, we have the Comic Con in April, and right now it's on the fence. We don't really think we'll be able to run it in April. Right. You were a pretty. You sound like you're a pretty good sport with what was happening, even though you didn't agree with it. I mean, is it like the show must go on mentality that you had? I mean, you're there. Well, you're there. You know what I mean. You're there already. <clears throat> the guys already, you know, puked in my face pretty much. But um, it's just again. Um, but when I got myself home and thought about it. I did not go on the show on the following weekend in New York. So I just didn't want to go through that again. Mm-hmm. And then that's a good call. Uh, do you think this is going to affect a lot of future cons? Because uh, as you know, I- I'm a fan as well as I'm, you know, working here. But when I meet celebrities, like I like to have one-on-one conversations with them instead of just a quick photograph. And I, I do like to have photographs as well. But if this COVID is going to happen, that's probably not going to happen in the future anymore, right? No, I don't see it happening safely in the future. Now, we did one with a, um, a virtual autograph signing with, a, what was the name of the company? With oh, Rock. Uh, virtual Asylum. Virtual Asylum. That now, right? that went off pretty good. <clears throat> this was actually a little more personal. That was like we are right now, but we got to talk a little longer. The fans seemed a little more calm or more relaxed with their conversation. Where in person, I know I've talked to people that went to these autographs and they went, signings they go you'll see i met you an autograph signing one time but man when i got up there i was so scared i couldn't talk you know what i mean yeah so i think the virtual thing is cool but as far as the other i don't know guys like for instance uh today was the second sunday that our church actually had service last sunday was the first and i don't think they have it 14 people and suppose you have to call and make reservation well what it is a lot of people aren't jumping in line to go to places like that um the ones that are doing it, the ones that are just arguing. Um, but um, I think we're going to see that. Me and Rob talked about that before, that um, people, until they feel safe, aren't going to come out. But when people do feel safe, I think everything out there, from wrestling to theaters to concerts to conventions and all that, I think they'll be they'll, they'll do better business than they've ever done before because people want to get back out, you know but not until they feel safe. Um, like I said, my church there alone, uh, majority of people said they're not coming back till there's a vaccine. You know, then you got some churches that it's packed, you know, so I think we'll see that in everything too. You know, like Comic-Cons, I think, Rob, what did you say they said for you guys? They only allow so many people compared to what it would have been. Yeah, right now, the main hall that we do our show in, it's huge. And we can only have 50 people total in there. And normally you could have well normally it's i think 1900 yeah 2000 yeah how could you even do something like that and get where anybody felt like they were even there you know yeah 50 I've people got, i've got a plan if we could put 500 people in that hall like that's vendors and everything included we could run a little bit of a show but again okay. we got to get to that point and like you said people need to feel safe Right, exactly. Now, I wonder how... Well, like he said, he was supposed to have a shield that one time, So, but you would, yeah. you would almost want one, you know. Well, like, this is the thing. is It's getting worse, the, the virus. Uh, the numbers of all hospitalization deaths and uh, confirmed cases, every day is breaking a new record. So anything like we're talking about to be normal, even to go to the, the supermarket right now, is, is it's a higher risk going out right now. So if the risk is higher, I see things like mandatory shutdowns coming. Um, you know, Biden's already said <clears throat> 100 days when he gets in office, everybody's got to wear a mask. 
you know, uh, which I, I wear one anyway. But uh, when well, especially I go places, but they're talking about wearing one even when you're in your house, you know. Me too. Yeah, <laughs> that looks like a. Yours is nice. That looks like a pair of panties like that. Oh. <laughs> well, it's got a good smell to it, man. That's really cool. Yeah. But no, I don't know, guys. Um, me and Rob talked about it. I, I hope everybody will take this seriously and let's get past this. You know, this most really the, the thing about this virus from really what I feel like today, the scariest thing is not the deaths, which that's scary. It's the hospitalizations. And the hospital that's going to climb so fast that you won't be able to go to the hospital for a hangnail. Uh, this past summer, I was caught in that dilemma just to get a hernia surgery. It took me four months. Remember, Rob? I do remember. So again, even something that's, you know, that, that wasn't a big deal, but it kept me grounded. I couldn't stand up without serious pain. And if, if it would have ruptured, I would have you know, just had to have been taken in by ambulance. But that's what it is. It's the hospitalizations. That it's just gonna, the main reason why they've got the um, big shutdowns, right? Because right. um, they, they say that the percentage of people surviving is really, you know, like uh, of dying is really small. But the fact is we don't have enough ventilators for people that are serious about right. getting it. So the hospitals will be overbooked. So if they get to spread out the virus between certain times that people take, you know, taking care of at home, then we'd be able to run. But if everyone gets at the same time, it would be a total disaster. Well, that's that what's happening. Forgetting. Well, that's what's happening right now with the, you know, more people have traveled in the last seven to 10 days than they have the last seven to 10 months uh, with Thanksgiving and all that. So I'm hoping it won't. Uh, a lot of people were smart and stayed home. I know uh, the day after Thanksgiving, you know, for here in Memphis, in, in our area te on television, uh, nobody was out shopping. Not like it. You know, so I think people were <clears throat> thing is, I said this to Rob, too excuse me, everyone, is that it's it's the people that are going to make the difference. You know, it's, it's not going to be mandates or uh, where we have to wear masks or stay home and stuff like that. Because people, if they don't want to do that, they're not going to do that. It's the people that want to do something that don't want to catch this virus and don't want to spread this virus, um, catch it, spread it, whatever. We just don't, you know, for me, you know, and I've, I, Rob knows I can just having to go to get an antibiotic. I had to go get the COVID test. Because I wasn't, uh, had a real bad congestion. You can hear it now. <clears throat> I was scared a little bit uh, because it really, the infection was really bad. I mean, I was really couldn't breathe. And I, I've had this my whole life. But just thinking that, you know, what it was, I had to go sit in line with all the other COVID people. And then I saw this girl come out and just in tears. I'm sure somebody either got COVID or someone died. So I'm thinking, you know, what's going on? And, and so sitting around for those four days waiting for the results. You know, I was thinking, man, if I had it, dude, it's, you know, and then that enough was, uh, that was enough for me to say, okay, I'm going to hunker back down a little bit. Went back to my boring ass uh, food today, baked chicken, peas, and cabbage. I'm not going to, I'm going to try to limit my trips to the grocery store or put myself like, I am going tomorrow to go to the gym, but I won't go to the store the same day. I'll limit myself in places that I don't, you know, just to put myself yeah. all day in a position to catch it. Thing about the gym too, and I'm not giving myself a, an out on this, but I can park at the front door if I get there early enough. And and what I do is I walk out in between sets outside, so I'm not inside. So was, I know that sounds stupid, but the odds are greater if I'm not inside there the whole time. I mean, they're better for me not to get it. So yeah, um, I'm doing that, and um, hopefully we're looking at some warmer temperatures coming here by Wednesday. 
Now I'm going to start doing some of my workout back here at the house again, but um, that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to places where I have to go. But, you know, I'm going to have to do some Christmas shopping for my grandson and my, my, my kid, uh, Gunner and my wife. Um, I can't do that online. I want to go out, uh, but I'll do it during the week or when nobody else is out, you know? Yeah. Nicole even sent out a little face with a little mask on it. <laughs> Good. Nicole. Now, I wonder how everybody, <clears throat> did everybody enjoy last week when we talked about wrestling and we watched wrestling and we, we compared to what we thought the next day. Did, did everyone enjoy that? Give us a response on that. Jason did mention this just a bit earlier. Uh, what are your thoughts on Sting to AEW, and would you consider a return? You know, I, we talked about this to me and Rob. I don't know about me. Um, thing is this. Everything I see right now about AEW, especially what happened last Wednesday, or red flag saying that, man, they might not be around much longer. And I definitely would not be interested in jumping on a sinking boat. You know, just, I mean, um, just not worth it. You know, um, when people start including other territories, and I found out a little bit more about this, Rob, yesterday, I won't know all of it until Larry Francis get back with me. But it sounds like they are going with impact to try to create some, you know, some talk or buzz. Um, that reminds me of the same thing when, when, when people can't come up with good ideas in a match. And so they, they have people just hit the ring and they're doing that all the time too. So everything they're doing right now is this red flag after red flag saying, man, it's just, it's not going to be much longer. It's almost like they're taking the podcast promotional plan because honestly, the best way to get a podcast out is to be on other podcasts and have them on yours. Because other markets see what you do. Right. Except for your very valid point, the minute you have competing promotions, everybody's a face. And right. Well, it'll get it'll get some reaction in first, like those type of angles always do. Yeah. Uh, but this is the thing is, again, not to be picky about everything, but that finish of that match, and I not I mean, I watched it and I'm not sure what happened. Where Moxley takes uh, Omega, Omega and throws him through that was supposed to be the heated lamps or keep the, the heat source. Yep. Uh, that one guy comes from nowhere, uh, no one knows or cares about, said there's something wrong with uh, Omega, where they actually, it looks like they tried to put a Band-Aid, which I don't understand that either. So the swerve was, I guess, that, that Omega was acting hurt but wasn't hurt. Then they got back in and finished the match, which they still went in and just had their regular match, right? From what I remember. So the swerve was so weird, no one picked up on it. Then after the match, they took off Omega and that guy to the back, I guess to a via, you know, to a car or something. You know, then I guess somebody said something about impact or TNA. And again, if that's it, that's a that's the cheapest and less the most less thought out angle I've ever seen in my life. If yeah. you're doing that and going to another company, you did all that for nothing. You know, uh, again, it's just stupid, stupid, stupid. Well, I hope it works for them, but no, I I'm, do too. I'm fearing your uh, your answer is probably no. going to be more accurate. Well, they popped into that, that and they had Sting show, so people will tune in for a while to watch that. But again, you know, Sting is a uh, great thing to have on there, but 
what he did does not was about it. He's not a great talker. When he talks, he exposes himself for not being a good talker. And then um, I just can't see him doing a lot in the ring. He looked um, like we are all at this age, frail. Mm-hmm. You know, so I just don't see. Yeah, he was kind of slower in his WrestleMania match against Triple H. Well, yeah. the thing is, too, guys, when when we're struggling, like if, if we were all doing a movie together and it was our first movie and it was we just raised enough money to just do our first movie, you know, we'd have to, okay, let's all work hard. Let's pinch pennies and let's do the right thing and try to have a little money left over and all this and then impress everyone to where we could do another movie. Well, they're not doing that. It means work hard. Well, they're not working hard. They're doing stupid things, making, again, Sting, Sting can't come in and work, you know, two or three matches a night or, you know, I'm saying he can't do that. So he's not going to be a lot of help to you. Um, and the deal about them going to, a, now, them going to another territory, whoever's in that territory, if there's some good talent there, will will help things. Yeah. You know, I just don't know what's there. Everybody I've talked to said that it's pretty, um, pretty dismal. And see, I get why they keep bringing back people. Like someone said last week, uh, you know, people want to see these people. Like people are desperate to see you on, back in the ring. You know, mm-hmm. that's why they want to see Arn Anderson. They want to see Sting. But they can't do what they did that made them so amazing at that point. So is it worth it? No, I don't think so. You know? I think it's always good, you know, to have someone, you know, to boost up the show a little shot in the arm, even if someone could come in, only come in once in a while and do something or, um, you know, again, you can't think of a, you can't make like sting the uh, general manager of the show. You know, that just doesn't go over. You know what I mean? Um, but no, if you could think of some people that come in like that, like Arn and, or this, he's already there, but people like that, like sting come in, just get like Jake Roberts, come in, see him, and then, move on to something else. It's, that's always good to do. Yeah. I just rewatched one of the rumbles, <clears throat> excuse me, where they had Jimmy Snuka and Piper come back in and those two kind of fought it out in the ring and then they rolled over the ropes and they were out. I thought it was a neat touch, but just watching them, I could tell they weren't even 50% of what they were. Well, but this is uh, now there's a, another example, probably a better one. And WCW one time they brought in all the old timers, George Steele, Jimmy Snuka, and I mean, these guys couldn't walk. They were so frail. But I thought this is going to be horrible. But it actually turned out to be a pretty good segment. Okay. Now, you couldn't bring it out the next week again. Yeah. But it's good for that one segment. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but you have to think about it and think of a good way to present it. Uh, Stuart's got a question here. Uh, hey, gentlemen, question for the master. I was watching a virtual signing with Billy Gunn, and he was asked what was the move he hated to take during his career. And he told the fans he hated taking your power bombs because you would drive his hips into the mat. Your thoughts, Sid? Yeah, that probably happened to a few people. <laughs> no, I don't believe that. Now, me and Billy are good friends. We used to ride together, hang out, meet him, Bart, and Bob Holly, and Carl Willette. I like old Billy Gunn. Yes. Uh, let's see here. Uh, what, that being said, um, you answered that question. What about you? What move did you not like taking? You know what? I, I, there really wasn't one I could. I mean, I can't. They were all. That's, that's nothing I really didn't mind taking. Now, there was one thing I didn't. I refused one time. I take that back. Uh, was they asked me to take a clothesline off one of the road warrior's shoulders while the other one clotheslined me off the shoulders. I went, no, I'm not doing that. Oh, that's their, 
No, uh, people laying on the back of their neck like that, and I saw that. And I've always had neck problems. So I went, no, I, I can't do that. Yeah, well, that's just it too. You got to take care of yourself, right? Yeah. And then I was asked one time to take the Frankensteiner, and I said no. I said, uh, this yeah. looks like I'd fall on my head, and <laughs> I wasn't all I wasn't up to doing that. Uh, Jeffrey asks, uh, I wasn't there for the last one. Oh, for the last episode. But I would love to hear a legend like yourself talk about the business. I mean, I'd ask about the WWE match against Psycho Sid versus Heath Slater, the Broken Leg, Ultimate Warrior, backstage stories, etc. But what I really want to ask about is that vintage receiver turntable in the background. It looks like you have quite the setup. What is your favorite record to toss on that system? Well, all right, Jeffrey, you're right. Uh, actually, my my amp, which is this Kenwood receiver and amps Kenwood, I've had to take it into the shop. I had just a little static when I turned my volume. The Kenwood amp is a 400-watt 400, 400 amp, and I've got two sets of Boston acoustic speakers back there and one set of G, JBL. They're known as 4330s or uh, JBL 400s. It's, um, if you can see it back there, it's got a it's like a speaker. It's almost like you order from a restaurant. You just don't get, give me that speaker. You order. I ordered. You know. You ordered without JBL on it. Ordered the the, the uh, 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 studio monitors sound in that, and then I got a fifteen inch subwoofer, and that thing will kill you. You know, it's pretty loud. It's good too. Yeah, the but I got a. I just got. You see, I don't know if everyone can see that album sitting there. I got a new one. It's not new, but I got it myself new about a year ago. It's called Electric Mud. It's muddy waters, and what they did was a bunch of jam, you know, just guitar crazy people got together with Buddy Muddy Waters and redid a lot of the songs and put like a real rock and roll twist to it. So it's really cool to hear. Rob's heard my stereo before. Yeah, the very first time I went down, and the bass is amazing on that thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Andy's got a question, and this, okay, this is kind of interesting. Do wrestlers wear underwear under their outfits? I always wondered what would happen if there was a wardrobe malfunction, especially because everything was so tight. <laughs> well, the truth is they're actually called, um, you have your regular tights and you have under tights, what they're called. And believe it or not, some people can see these. I wear them, I wore them a couple of times, like in this picture right here. See how low those are. I was in the studio taking that picture and I didn't feel like putting my other tights on. But they're they're just a little smaller than your other tights. The only downside, there is no elastic in them. So your balls hang out and your ass cheeks and all that. Oh. I got a good story about under tights if you want to hear one real quick. <laughs> Might as well. There's this, there's this kid named Seth Patel. Everybody knows him. He's, he's a kid had Down syndrome. He used to stay with me all the time. I brought him out on WCW, Nitro, and Thunder a couple times. Then he went with me to Memphis and went to Memphis Raps. He was pretty famous. Uh, got on TV a few times. Anyway... I met him. He'd come down to my house all the time. So he said, Sid, got, you got some extra wrestling gear? I'm like, sure. So I gave him a, a singlet. He always wore cowboy boots. Gave him some knee pads. And I gave him a pair of undertights, you know, as well. So um, now I didn't wear the singlet anymore. I wore that after my lung surgery. He just always saw me in regular tights. So one summer about, I don't know, July, 152 degrees, I'm going down the street and going to the grocery store. And I can see Seth because he's, you know, down syndrome, overweight just white as a white as a ghost okay and i could see him like 10 miles away so i roll up as i get a little closer i notice he's only wearing cowboy boots and under tights <laughs> 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 and so I, I said i said hey man what's going on because he always thought he was my dad he'd go he said son what are you doing 
I said, I'm going to the grocery store. He goes, can I go with you? I went, yeah, get in. So we drive up to the store. So when we pull in the parking lot, he goes, son, am I naked? <laughs> Technically, I said, no. no, man, not at all. Come on. And so this is one of these little bitty country grocery stores. You know, as soon as you walk in, you're on top of everyone. The produce aisle right there. We walked in and just everybody was like, <laughs> you know, looking at Seth, like, oh my God. And Seth could tell it. And he's really famous in this little town here because one, he's been on TV and, you know, he's real outgoing, especially at all the ballgames. So he runs over the produce, grabs a thing of bananas, and puts them right over his private and says, hey guys, I'm not naked. <laughs> <laughs> Works for Adam and Eve, right? Cover yeah, it with right. fruit. <laughs> choice. <laughs> uh lori here said hey guys i did enjoy last week's show about wrestling and i must say we were very excited to see sting he was a big part of our childhood it was great to see him again and i think that's exactly it because even jason here says yes we are desperate for another sid run you know well that's the thing is uh, the, the wwe network network proves that i think i'm probably doing as much merchandising as some of these new guys because they get to see me on there and go wow i like this character that's the thing about our wrestling fans, Rob. I've told you, the majority of them, you cannot program them. Nope. They're going to like who they want to like, and they're going to dislike who they want to like. And um, that's why it's good to see people like Sting and, and stuff like that. And that's why Undertaker's still so popular, because he comes from that same time. Uh, John had a thing here, too. It says, Mox dropped the belt for another reason, because he wants to be a dad to his firstborn and help his wife. That's, that's interesting. Bull. That's bullshit. I don't, I don't believe that for a minute. Let me tell you something, everyone. Um, I missed the birth of my second son. Okay. Uh, just, it was just by coincidence. I've told the story, um, that, um, we were going, I was going from Atlanta to Dallas. It just so happens Memphis was in between and there were several other flights that would get me there on time. So I had someone pick me up at the airport, a buddy of mine, took me to the hospital. By the time I got there, the baby was already born. I took a picture with him, went straight back to the airport and went to work. Yeah. I don't believe Moxley did that. What happens well, a lot of times when someone has to drop the belt and they don't want to drop the belt, uh, like Sean did with me that time, it, they'll, they'll take some time off all of a sudden. Right, Rob? We've seen, that so many, we've seen that so many times. <laughs> now, um, I think it was, we talked about this. I thought it was good. You know, when that time, at some time, I figured they was going to put that on Kenny Omega. I didn't think the other night was the right time. Um, now that we heard this about Moxie wanting to take time off, that might be why they didn't have the, as good a match as they should have had. Because I said this, their match did not equal the interview they did the week before. And when you don't do that, that's a disappointment to everyone. That's like saying you're going to win, but you don't win. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If you say you're going to win and don't win, you damn sure have got to have the best match of your lifetime. You know what I mean? And you can't do it by sitting in a chair next to the guy taking friendly slaps. That doesn't work. When I saw that spot, that said, okay, they're not trying. All right? No, that makes sense. Right. Uh, Daniel here has got a question. He said, hey, Sid, can you tell me something about WrestleMania 8? And this we talked a little bit about. Was it planned for Papa Shango to come out at the last minute? Remember we were talking about, cause you kicked out of the leg drop. You know, I was told I was going to do that like a year prior, kick out the leg drop, but I did not know anything about Papa Shargo hitting the ring or the ultimate warrior. Now I've told everybody this, I gave my notice a month prior. So I think they thought that was a way of getting me back or something. 
Oh, you know, okay. so I, I don't know. Uh, I didn't. I mean, I wouldn't. Have, they wouldn't have told me because I didn't. I didn't want to be there anymore anyway. So I didn't need to know that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the reason I asked the question about WrestleMania is because there was rumors that Papa Shango was not meant to come down, and Vince sent him at the last minute, and that kind of confirms just what you said. Yeah. Yeah. You never, never know. You know um, what's going on there. I really because I didn't ask. You know me, Rob. I don't ask and don't care. Yep. You're there for the job. And I'm there you for the job. I do it, yeah. Here's another question from JD. Uh, Sid, what was your favorite War Games match that you took part in? War Games in 93 with Vader and Harlem Heat versus Sting, Bulldog, Dustin, and Sh uh, Shockmaster. Or War Games in 91 with the Horsemen versus Sting, Brian Pillman, and the Steiner Brothers? Probably the one with Vader and, and, and the Harlem Heat. That was the I knew more about wrestling in that War Games. I pretty much booked that. You know, I was helping with that. So because I was so involved in every part of that, the, the booking process and bringing in, you know, I, I pretty much brought, well, not pretty much, I did. I brought it Harlem Heat and Colonel Parker, gave them their names, their character, wrote their interviews, everything. So to be a part of something and then being a part of the other side was probably more fun than being part of the wrestling side of it. Here's another good one from Jamie. Uh, Sid, how did it feel to be the WWE champion? Two times. Well, this is the thing is we talk about that too. You know, for me, that was, it wasn't that you know, I didn't care about belts. And I was always told I'd never be a champion because I didn't need a belt to draw money. And I was told that from the beginning of my career. And they said, we only put belts on people that need it. Unless in just in, you know, situations where it does make sense. And so what the deal was there, I was on the whipping post and I put myself, I worked myself again. I talk about how you got to work hard. When times call for it, well, that's what I did for a year to get myself off that whipping post. So when I got myself off of it, it was because I worked so hard, and I forced them to put that belt on me. I didn't ask for that belt. They were going to put that on Vader. So for them, for me to work so hard, I forced their hands to do that. And, Rob, we told the story a thousand times. When I came out for the match with Vader, I knew then they were going to make the switch. And they came to me a month later and said, that's the guy I knew it a month ago at the Gardens. I told two people this, okay? Two people. Now, Rob, real quick, I told Jeff Arthur yesterday, yesterday I was seven for seven in, in football games. Oh, yep. Seven for seven, everyone. So, again, when I do something or say something, I'm pretty much going to be right. He's on a calling streak. Dude, I'm not kidding, guys. I I mean, these games I didn't want to pick because I didn't trust them even. No, these went for sure. But, you know, like I tell you, Rob, sometimes there's for sure. Yeah. Well, these weren't even for sure. They were, you know, I thought and every one of them, I won every one of them. Oh, so you went with some gut. Yeah. Nice. Now, Rob, when I've told you for sure, did it did it pull off? Yes. Every time. So far, every single time. Every and single me, game. We've talked about it. I try to be the devil's advocate. I want to go back and find one. And so far, I can't think of a single one. I it's swear, man. crazy. <laughs> oh, Jeffrey is a fan of electric mud. Okay, man. That's cool. I didn't know he knew that. Yeah. Uh, let me see here. Oh, never said, when do we get Sid shirts? You know what? This is the thing is funny. You asked for that. I got a call yesterday from Doug Gilbert, a friend of mine, and he's got a guy with the company who wants to do t-shirts. Excuse me. So we should have shirts pretty soon. Everyone. Nice. I like the logo you've got here for the vicious circle podcast. I wouldn't mind getting a shirt like that. Yeah. That's a good logo too. Yeah. Actually, I was talking to a guy for our Comic-Con, 
when you were going to come up about doing exclusive podcast shirts that were glow in the dark. Oh, that would be cool. That would be cool. I'm going to bring it back up. If anybody wants something like that, let me know. So we'll see if there's any kind of interest. Hey, real quick too, before I forget this, um, our prayers out to Maggie. I haven't uh, heard from her the last couple shows. I know she says she had eye surgery, so I hope your eyes doing good. And anyone needs to be on a prayer list, let us know that. It might be a jinx tease. That might be a good reason not to get on our prayer list. <laughs> but um, on the songs too, everyone, I haven't heard a good song recently. Now, um, it's not that I'm not trying. I'm trying to find a song that no one's heard. And that's why we heard a little bit back on the, uh, we had some uh, feedback on the Prince song uh, with Dwight Yoakam, Purple Rain, but we haven't heard a lot of people back from the song, The River from um, Ted Jordowski. We haven't heard any feedback on um, Lucinda Williams and the song was called The Fruits of My Labor. Uh, the other song was um, uh, Bonnie Raitt, John Prine. It was called Montgomery Angel or The Angel from Montgomery, something like that. So or the recent one, uh, Jim Croce, Operator. Yeah, Operator. Now, the thing about that is, Honestly, I expect everyone to know that song, okay? So, and I think someone did sort of feedback that day. I think it was Val. Anyway, we got a little feedback and compared it to another song or something. But um, now that song there, I just heard it right before the show that night or that day and, and threw that out there. But that is Jim Croce, well, we like him, everyone, is because he wasn't a great singer or anything, but he was a great songwriter. Yeah. And it, him and who was it? Neil Sedaka and – um. People come from New York. There's a bunch of great songwriters that come from that area at, at that particular time in our in our music culture too. Jim Croce too. It's his guitar because right. in a bottle, that guitar, it's just incredible. It is. It, it really is. But no, I'm going to um, I'm putting my head to the grindstone. Everyone, I just hadn't heard one that I really thought everybody would like to listen to. So if, we, if you guys got something, let us know. Uh, JJ has asked, "What's your favorite Pat Patterson memory?" Mm. Oh man, um, let's see. You know the thing about Pat and my experiences with Pat um, were all business experiences, except for a couple of corny ones when I first came to the WWF. But this is what I remember about Pat. There aren't really great stories, but I, what I remember about him is this: he was really smart. Uh, I didn't learn a lot from him, but you would learn the simple things, like you know. Um, why does someone wear black boots, say, say, for instance? He already had an answer for weird things like that. Um, but this is what I do remember about him. I remember one time him explaining to me or describing the way a match is. Him describing it, his face was so full of joy. And I think someone that night had had a – there was a situation where someone didn't want to do the job for someone. And that happens all the time. And he, Now, Pat was just the opposite. And I was too. You know, when you do the job and you cooperate, everybody in the ring together can make this beautiful scene, you know, to where all the people are really happy in the end. But if you got one person not understanding that both sides are equal, you know, just because you're doing the job, I mean, you're the, when you're doing the job, in my opinion, you're the most uh, important part of the match. Because without doing that, you can't get the people to go, yay. You know what I mean? Yep. So the ultimate achievement for me as a heel is to be able to put someone over. And I used to, I've told you this, Rob. I got fined for putting people over before because I knew how easy it was to get the people to clap. And yep. you learn this going to your car at nights when you don't put someone over. You give them a DQ or a count out. The people go, oh, God, you suck, Sid. And I go, wow, wow, I thought it was pretty good. But then the, <laughs> and then I changed the finish and started putting Lex over. 
I, walk, I go to my car. They go, wow, man, you're awesome, Sid. And it was just little, slide him over with a small package, you know, a little roll up. Put his foot on the rope. Well, I put my foot on the rope and had a riff. Anyway, we just changed it where we put him over, right? And um, that's what the people want, you know. So Pat understood that too. And when he would ex- describe and explain it to you and tell you the story about going through that, it was really a great thing to listen to because um, he that's the way Pat was. Pat wanted to – he just wanted a great show. Uh, Sid, with what you said, you were fined uh, for putting someone over. Can you give us some information on that? Well, what it was, I was working with, um, I was going to be the world champion in the next pay-per-view. This one, pay-per-views were every three months or every four months. So um, I was going around the loop and we were main event, me and Lex. Uh, and he should have put me over because I'm working with Sting and I was supposed to, and I, I did become world champ for 15, 30 seconds. Um, but again, so you know, we're doing a count out of double DQ and I could just hear the people just just grasping they were so mad and again walked to my car they say Sid you suck what a horrible match then I could hear the people so we were in Amarillo we went to Lubbock I changed the finish where I put him over so then we go to Charlotte or somewhere the next you know tour and Grizzly Adams comes to me Grizzly Smith I'm sorry this says, hey Sid um you probably noticed on your check you got you know fined for something that was because you you know you, you put Lex over and we can't have you putting people over because we're trying to make a star from you, uh, for you, out of you. And I said, Grizz, this way I look at it, I'm not going to give the people a, a dead finish in main event, meaning a DQ or a count out. Now, if you want to put someone above me or put, let me go over or put someone above me in a finish and, and let me go semi-main event, I'd be glad to do a count out or DQ. I said, but if I'm main event, I said, you guys can just keep finding me, you know. And wow. they, changed, they changed the order of the match. Cheryl has a question, and this is cool because I like how we've been bringing up these terms. Sid, can you please explain what call a spot means? I hope that's the right phrase. Yeah, when we call a spot, say, for instance, when we know we talk with the heel, we talk about heat. So if I'm, I'm getting heat on Rob, and Rob is what we call the baby face, I'm getting on him. This is for people used to go through it in the back. When, this is when we sit in dressing rooms that, away from each other. We, did, we had to call spots in the ring. So a spot might be, I'm beat Rob up and I'll say, okay, Rob, I'm going to peel off. I'm going to come back to you. Then I'm going to have you give me a shot to the gut. And that's giving him a, what's called a hope spot. Okay. I'm going to have you co- do a couple of those, hit the ropes, come off. I'll give you a big boot and I'll stop you and go back into my heat. So that's a spot. You know what I mean? Or if I grab a headlock in the beginning of the match, I go shoot me off, tackle, drop down, uh, and grab it again. You know what I mean? So you shoot me off. I'll, he'll drop down. I'll come over. When he comes up, kick him in the gut, and grab it again. You know, that's that's a spot. Excellent. I, I It's cool because so many people want to learn what's going on, you know? Sure. Uh, here's one from Muzamit. Hey, Sid, is it true that you, you looked after Booker T when he was trying to get into the game? Bless you, Rob. Yeah, actually, I looked after him and his brother, Bo Stevie. Um, they came and stayed with me. I, what it was is I was um, doing a benefit in Dallas, Texas for Kerry Von Eric after he had passed away. And I went down there. Mike Davis was running the deal and uh, asked me if I could come in, which Ole said I could. Ole was in charge of WCW. So I drove myself down there. Me and a buddy of mine worked the match. I actually worked against Harlem Heat. So I saw these guys on the, hit them and um, Sean Waltman, which was 
the one, two, three kid, or he was uh, the karate kid or something at one time. He was in Global too, and I wanted to bring both, all three of them to WCW. So when I got there, I met Harlem Heat. Uh, Sean was already gone to WWF, so I didn't get a chance to get him. So I asked them if they wanted a job. They said yes, so they came to Atlanta and lived with me. I had a condo there at Windy Hill Road, so they stayed with me for a couple months so they could get on their feet and get their own apartment and everything. And actually, I gave them both a pair of boots where they could have matching boots. But they slept on my couch and one slept in my guest bedroom. It just drove me crazy. (laughs) (laughs) They're lazy, okay? And I'm up and gone three times a day before they ever wake up, you know. But uh, no, it was a lot of fun. They never were a problem or anything like that. Stevie, I love being with him. He's a really smart guy, really good with dates, real articulate and stuff like that. Booker's usually asleep all the time. But um, me and Stevie always had a good time. Um, but it was a lot of fun with those guys around. And I'm glad to have helped them guys out uh, because that's what I was doing. I was trying to create talent. Absolutely. Uh, Andy said, Sid, have you got every action figure that was ever made of you? <laughs> no, I actually only have one. Um, and I give them all away. Um, I'll be honest with you. I've got one in, somewhere in here, and I think I've I got it. Too, already given away. There's actually a police officer stopped me the other day coming out of Walmart. And he's got a little girl with Down syndrome. He knows they would like to an autograph picture. And I haven't said this yet, but if I have that one left, I think I'm going to give it to her for Christmas. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, okay. Uh, this one's from Jeff. I'm bringing this up for the last part of the question. Uh, he says, we've seen lots of top tier athletes in all sports have severe injuries to their legs and still come back. Uh, Anderson Silva comes to mind. Some dealt with it better than others. How difficult was it for you to recover? And then this part, because I remember you talking about the kip up. Did Arn inspire you to try the kick up from the top rope? Oh, wait. I don't understand that. Imagine. Inspire you to try the kick Oh, I misread that question. He said, did Arn inspire you to try the kick from the top rope? No, that was Johnny Ace's idea. No, I would have never. No one was stupid enough to thought of that. Okay. I misread that question. I thought he was talking about the kip up. You know, I yeah, jump right. up and back. Oops. Yeah, I misread that. Uh, Andy's got a question then. And this, I guess this depends on era. How much of a match is rehearsed? Well, Used to, none of it was. And nowadays, I think it's all have been gone over 10 or 15 times before they ever go out. And that's what I think everyone, we're seeing, uh, the people. We want to see, for instance, for me, the, the attraction AEW is they're sort of corny looking. And they do make mistakes. You know what I mean? So it makes them look like they're human and they're really trying. Uh, when you see a choreograph like that, and I do, I, I feel like I'm 100% right on this. A few years back, I was watching one of the WWE shows, and they actually put a spot in there to where it looked like they messed up, where the people go, you fucked up, you know, yep. but the people didn't buy it. You know, and the commentators put it over, but the people didn't. Yeah. So it, it looked that rehearsed that the spot messed up even looked perfect, you know. Well, so that's just like you said, you can't program people. They know no, what's real. Well, I think what we're saying is has a lot of merit to it, Rob, because we looked at those ratings of their scale last week. and. WWE has a superior product, meaning with production and all the great things they got there. And they got better talent. But for some reason, the people are interested in this company that are allowed to make mistakes, that are allowed to go out there and get themselves over, too. In order to make mistakes sometimes, to get yourself over, you have to make a mistake. 
when you got that many people walking out in a two-hour show. But that's the that's the uh, advantage of the other ones getting over. Like the nights, like the other night when Chris Jericho had that horrible uh, match and that whole deal where they were so confused out there and stuff like that. Just the week before, he had a great walk to the ring, had a good match because he was able to do it on his own. Now, they, I'm, he, I'm pretty sure he'd like to take last week's show back, but he could come out next week and they allow him to get himself over again, and he might make people forget that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, calling a match, um, how like you're you're in a ring. Uh, normally, they say that the heels call the match, correct? So right. um, let's say you get somebody that just has a brain fart and just doesn't know what to do. Um, what? Well, it, it, normally the heel calls matches if the heel's got more experience and he's been doing it, or he or she's been doing it for a while. That's the only, t- only other time that the, 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 where they would alter that deal. Now, today, I don't know how they do it. And it's not always if the baby face has got more experience, he can call the match, too. It's just my experience has always been the heel call the match. And if I was a baby face, I always allowed the heel to call the match. You know, as long as it, now I was lucky. You know, I was working with good heels, you know, like Vader and Bigelow and stuff like that. So, you know, guys were calling good matches. So, but if I, I think if I came across someone that wasn't calling a good one, I would stop it and do it myself it kind of makes sense too though because if the heel is doing the job you know which is progressing then you let them do it on their terms right and that was just you know unless again you know unless the office has said to me before said you got to get over don't bump for no one you know don't sell for no one and then i you know someone how you take a bump i go no i can't take one you know so this depends the circumstance okay was there any any time where you know while in your matches, the other person got totally lost and was like, I um, had a brain fart. So you had to cover. Oh, yeah. I've done it myself, man. It's just get out there on live TV and go, oh, shit. What were we supposed to do? <laughs> you know, so that, yeah, that happens all the time. Uh, Rondell is is in favor of the T-shirts. Yes, Rob. All right, Rondell. Yeah, man. <laughs> uh, Dean has a good one here. Uh, Sid, uh, you've known Sting since the 80s. What's it like seeing him in the spotlight like the other night? Were you close with Steve back in the day? Old school fans love like me love seeing him back. Yeah, yeah, I was close to him. I love he's in the top three or four people that I enjoy working with the most. Uh, he was a, a giver, a hard worker, and all those things. But no, I love seeing him on there too. I just don't want to see him get hurt or anything like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not knocking Sting when I say things like I've said tonight. I'm just saying what I sort of see. Well, and that's what I worry about too. People seeing him back in the ring, are they expecting Sting back in the ring? Right. You know, and will they be no, disappointed if he can't perform? No, let me tell you something, guys. Sting told me this several years before I, I broke my leg. And we were talking one day in the dressing room. He goes, he says, Sid, did you ever hurt? And I wasn't hurting like he was talking about then. I went, well, I know my shoulder hurts sometimes. He goes, no, I mean, like hurt all over where you can't get out of bed. I didn't know what he was talking about two years later. So if he's been experiencing that kind of pain for that long, I can't see it being something he would want to do a lot of. Yeah, it makes me curious what they're using him for. Well, know? if he told, you know, he quit vincing them because he just couldn't do it anymore, right? What the word was. Hmm. Uh, let me see here. Jamie said, yep, me too. I would wear one. So there we go. Got a couple people that want it. Ah, here we go. Lori's back. Uh, Sid, I listened to the methamphetamine song and thought it was great. It was nice to hear a song from Old Crow Medicine Show besides the usual wagon wheel song. Yeah, I know, right? Thank you, Lori. 
Yes. Hey, you. oh, yeah, by the way, too, everyone, I came up with an idea the other day. Lori was on a show one time, and we'd love to have her back again sometime. But what we want to do, what we want to do is we want to invite someone who wants to come on the show like Steve was on today. So if anyone wants to come on our show and have a topic they want to talk about, let us know. We're glad to have you on. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know Andy wants to come on. Um, I haven't heard from him in the past little while, and I know his mom's getting better. So I'm hoping right. that's what's keeping him uh, busy. You know what's but, funny about Lori, too, when we had her on, we was discussing that vitamin D. I've heard more about that since then, and I've heard more about the last few days than I've ever heard. What it is, is a deficiency. If we have that, it does affect us with the coronavirus deal a whole lot. Yeah, it makes you, I, I, from the reports I've seen, it makes you more susceptible. Right. Hmm. Uh, Where was Lori from, Rob? Mississippi? I uh, want to say Louisiana, but I'm sorry. I've talked about five people from different states, so I am yeah. I might be crossing state lines. Lori, where are you from? Yeah, I think she's Mississippi. I think she's Mississippi. Uh, Danilo here, he said, hey, Sid, you were supposed to be the bad guy uh, then, but how did it feel when the majority of the crowd was cheering for you at the end of Rumble 92 against Hogan and at Survivor Series 96 and Rumble 97? This is the thing is, guys, beginning of my career as a heel, and I enjoyed being a heel more than anything, was just that. I got cheered, you know, majority of the time I was going to the ring. More so in the Northeast than, than say, the South. But a lot of times I got booed depending on who I was working with. But they booed Hogan. They booed Sean. They booed Sting. They booed everybody at one time. Well, the time in 92, it was – um. You know, Hogan's a great talent, and he's uh, really got good charisma. But at that time, we had too much of Hogan. We needed a right. change. And you were right there at the perfect time, and we loved you for it. This is the thing is, Steve. Steve I've told everybody that. It wasn't I was the magic unicorn. It's just ru- Hogan had his run. And back then, runs were a lot shorter than they are today. Uh, Vince didn't you know, work them as well. So that's all it was, man. And my time would have came before I had given my notice that they would have booed me too. But see, I think that was just, I think it was a combination of two. You said, yeah, they definitely had enough of that run, but they could see in you what they wanted to see. Right. That makes them drive even further the other way. Right. Exactly. Just in anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it could have not the one, two, three kid. I'm sorry. To get away from Hogan, but but, you know, to get what he got? No, it was because people saw in him oh, what yeah. they wanted. Right. Uh, Dean said here, let's get those podcast t-shirts made. <laughs> oh, there we go. Okay. All right, man. People are really liking this. Uh, where was the other one I saw? Uh, sorry, I had one here. Do we ever find out where she was from? No, she hasn't messaged yet. I know it's somewhere in Mississippi. I'm kind of wondering too now. I think, I think I'm it's South think Mississippi. It's like Christmas coming around. Um, you've probably had a lot of Christmas holidays on the road. Um, oh yeah. Were some of those celebrations really cool because you're away from family? It gives you a different atmosphere, isn't it? You know the thing about it was Christmas at one time was the biggest night of the year for wrestling, uh, and the reason being was everybody. You know, the afternoon, the evening, there was nothing to do, and everybody usually had a little extra money. So we always did good business on Christmas. So I never was home for Christmas for years. Um, here it is. Daniel asked, hi, Sid, how much fun was it to smash the barbershop up? You know what? It, um, 
it was pretty fun. I was mad at first that the stuff got all over my face, but then when I saw the outcome of it, I thought it was pretty cool. Excellent. Oh, and here she is. Lori said, I was in Mississippi, but actually just moved back to home, sweet home, Tennessee. And yes, I truly believe there is a connection between COVID and vitamin D deficiency. What part of Tennessee? Oh, Steve, yeah, I can't Type remember fast, that <laughs> Type I know, man. <laughs> well, Doug Gilbert's over at Lexington. Uh, let me see here. Jeffrey said, I'd love to come on the show. I'm not sure if there's any criteria to the song suggestions, but I might suggest Happiness Jones by a band called the Wood Brothers. We'll try to listen to that. Yeah, I've never even heard of that band. You know, how about you try singing it for us? All yeah. these, you know, we're giving you suggestions. You come on well, and sing it for us. He might actually. He yeah. is the lead singer of a band called Fighting Grace that played at the Chatham County International Film Festival, the drive-in. They were the band that opened. Oh, so really? He may actually sing it for us. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's do her. Um, let me see here. Jamie asks, Sid, how was the undertaker with you in the locker room? He's always cool. Mark's really laid back. Just a real genuinely nice guy. Well, you guys were right back at the beginning. Because even if you watch the intro, that's got Lord Humongous facing up against Mean Mark. Yeah, Mean Mark, you know, yeah. That's way back. Well, he took my place when I had my lung surgery as well. They said um, Undertaker just recently released last year um, Undertaker The Last Ride. And it's the first time that uh, Mark's broke character, Kayfabe, uh, for the public. I thought that was an amazing um, series. Did you get a chance to watch it? No, it's not the first time because I saw him on ESPN for a Texas game a couple of years ago. So, but I think it's the first time they let him really sit down and do something like that, though. Yeah, and I thought it was, that was really cool. I was like, all these matches that I watched, I was like, oh my gosh, that's how we thought. This is this is like great for someone that is totally right. Right. Here, Stewart's got a good question. So many questions for the Millennium Man. WCW Mayhem 99. How did you feel about the finish to your I Quit match with Goldberg? It was a simple sleeper hold that knocked you out. Then what is your thoughts on WCW booking you in a tag match with Goldberg the next night on Nitro versus the Outsiders? Well, that was, again, all that, I believe, was um, with um, Vince Russo as booking. Um I think they should have done the matches backwards. They should have done I quit and then did the did the blood match last, uh, where we bled so much because that was hard to follow. So yeah. um it just again, I'm not knocking anyone, but um you would have had to work so hard in a match like that and done so many spots to uh say outdone the, the blood and you could have never done it, right? Probably outdone the blood deal. Then I couldn't have outdone it too. And I'm not being a jerk about Bill, but I remember one time just working some spot shows. I said to Bill, because you know, you'd ask him something, he couldn't do it. So he was doing this one thing, he could really hold you up and drop you down, whatever it was called. So I said, let's do that. And then we'll do, we'll do this and we'll come back. We'll do that again. He goes, Well, we've already done that one time. <laughs> I wanted to go, What? <laughs> no, because I did a spot with him where. I used to do it with Bam Bam all the time. I'd get him in like a camel clutch, then have him, you know, pick me up on his legs and then drop me back on it like a Samoan drop where he couldn't get me up. You know, so I held the ropes and tried to push myself <laughs> up. So I had to think of something. Again, I just did that spot. I just went into the same spot, something he knew, right? Then we got back. He goes, oh, we did that spot already once. I went, oh, Bill, stop, you know. <laughs> but, uh, but that's the thing is, 
and I'm not being a jerk, but you can't have a real good match like that when I'm not going to sit there and pull teeth all night in the locker room. Someone trying to explain to them why you can do the same spot twice. Um, and then again, it's hard to follow a blood match with your hands handcuffed like that in a, in a regular match, if that makes sense. No, no, it does. Uh, Jeffrey here did say, Oh, I'll sing anything on request. Just don't ask for the HBK theme song. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, let's see if we can grab a couple more questions here. And I like it. I remember before when I said to the fans, if you have questions and I don't get to them, just type them again. I know I've missed a couple, but I do see people reposting them. So that is perfect. Good. Um, here, oh, here's another one from Jeff. Sorry for the barrage of questions. So many things coming to mind. Was Vince Russo really that bad of a guy, or do you think he provided value to the industry during his time? No. He, I, I just, I, I just, you know, he, I can't, I, he did bring some value if you want to look at things like this. And I, I, I appreciate this kind of value, say, for instance, where he took guys like Lenny and those guys that were, you know, not good workers and never going to, do anything with themselves. He did something with them. He took time to write angles with them, even though they were stupid things. He did put some people in a position to where they never would have been in that position before. You know what I mean? In a good spot. But the thing about that is when you do that, what ended up happening, they shut the territory down for all the people that could survive. You know what I mean? So the few things he did good, he did come up, I guess, with a good interview. He had to have all the ones he wrote at least one time. When he worked for Vince, he came up with one interview, part of one that I used one time, and that's it. Um, now, when he worked for Vince, everyone, he just he was a magazine guy. He didn't do what everybody said he did until – and Vince Russo was honest about this in what I saw in one of his interviews. He's the one that showed all this Jerry Springer stuff to Vince and them, and this is when the business started you know, doing a little bit better with the tits and ass thing, really much what it amounted to. And all the stupid stuff going on with the Godfather and all these stupid little things like that. But when stupid runs out, guys, you can't catch it. Yeah. And that's what's happened. Uh, but no, I, I don't think of, I mean, Vince Russo has been really nice to me since I've known him for, I don't know, man, long time, 30, 40, whatever long. But again, he didn't do a, a lot of positive stuff in this business. Well, and, and everything, not to cut you off, Rob, but everything you did, everyone, the territory shut down. WCW shut down. He was the booker there. He was booker, I guess, at TNA at one time. That place shut down. You know, Dixie Carter had to sell out to someone else, and he's not at the new TNA. I guess they probably learned their lesson from that. But, no, again, a good person, always a good person to me. Ed Ferraro the same. But I can't say he did anything really positive in the business. And we talked about it on the podcast before. It was more of he was an idea guy, but he needed someone to polish it. Right. You know, and that's why he and Vince worked so well together during that time. And then when he went on his own and he had no one to do any polishing, that's when the wheels started flying off. And Well, that's the thing is, everyone, Vince and them do that better than anything. And I've said that um, not on this. I don't think we've said it on uh, Vicious Circle. But Vince is really good at polishing something and making it really good that you can see it a thousand miles away. Um, but unfortunately, sometimes those things, once you get up close enough to really see it, you don't want to see it a second time. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but again, Vince is the best at that. And you see people leaving the WWF that were real successful and they go to AEW and go TNA and they, they don't do as well, you know, mm -hmm. and what it is, everyone, Vince is really good about the small details. And if you do the small details, even sometimes a turd looks good. 
you know, so, um, and he does, I mean, he makes some things that are just horrible last a long time. He's good at that. Okay, here, Phillips got one. Who was the hardest powerbomb? And is it true that Hogan got all upset after Rumble 92 because the fans were cheering for you to win? Uh, P.S. saw you in Birmingham NEC Arena when you defended the world title against Farouk. Great match, and thanks for giving me the best era of wrestling. Well, uh, what was the question again? Who, um, who was the hardest to powerbomb? And was it true that Hogan was upset after Rumble 92? Yeah, he was. And I, that's when I gave my notice that night because I told Vince, I said, I can't work in, a, in an environment that grown men act like women. And that was my exact words. And I reached out to shake his hand and told him, I said, man, I'm going home. It was in Albany, New York. And uh, so there's the answer to that one. Uh, as far as who's the hardest to powerbomb, it was probably Hogan as well. He was. He didn't want to get up. He always wanted to be protected. And I think one time I know it was, we were doing a tag match, me and Flair against him and Piper, and I hit him back the head when I busted him open a little bit. Everybody's like, "Whoa, man! You know, you hurt Hogan." I went, "Well, it shit happens sometimes." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, this is a good one. Uh, Danilo, Danilo said, "Would have been cool if we had Sid, Dan Spivey, and Mean Mark wrestle all together as the skyscrapers Freebird style." That would be pretty cool. That would be cool. Okay, let's grab one more. And I've seen this one a couple times. Here we go. Uh, what would be your ultimate last match type and against who? And let's say there's no restrictions. It could be anybody in any type of match. What would you want your last match to be? You know, I have never really thought about that. No, I, I, it wouldn't have, wouldn't have been like I went out with a broken leg. Because that happened like that, everyone, I really haven't really thought of a final match. I had an idea of a couple of times how I'd want to try to end my career, but I never got a chance to. But um, So the last match would probably be something that it would be my last match. I'd be going out. I'd be putting someone over. And that's what we do in the business. We have a run. When it's over, you, you pass the torch. And that's what I would have enjoyed to have done. And that is so true. I think that's why we thought Undertaker had so many retirements. Because he did a lot of that passing, you know, like the WrestleMania right. wins and the whole bit. So you're right, though. That is tradition. Well, Rob, that was passing. Okay. All those passings were passings. And they're, they're just trying to find, and they'll probably find another passing, <laughs> you know, for him. I guarantee well, watching, it. Watching The Undertaker um, documentary, uh, he was going to pass the torch, but he was never happy with those matches. There's something that he was picking at that's like, I can't retire with this stuff. So he kept on going until he finally found the right match to retire with. You know, I don't know if I believe that either. I really believe they needed him in those positions. I, I, I still believe his last match was supposed to be the one with Hunter. From what I remember, people were building that up. But then his last one should have been with um, Brock in New Orleans at that WrestleMania. But then he came back after that. I think it's really because they really needed him. And he's always wanted to sacrifice everything and come back and do what's good for the business. Yeah, he was always a guy. Yeah. From, yeah. And again, I, this is what, I don't think they've ever thought of a good way out for him. Now, if I would have came back uh, right after I broke my leg, that was one of the things I wanted to do was have a match that I would end with, end with him. I wanted to end my last match with him. And oh, then he really? could have done the same. Yeah, he could have done the same thing. So um, I had a real cool way of doing it. But again, uh, that's who I wanted to have my last match with. That is awesome. Wow, that would have been cool. 
Yeah. Any last words, Sid? No, I just want to say again, everyone, um, we might try this thing next week again, coming on, what was it, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, if anybody gets with Rob over the next few days and gives us any inclination that you guys want to do this again, I think it worked really well. Rob, do you think it did? I did. I know the Thursday show did. Right. So we yeah. might do that. We might just come back next Thursday after wrestling. So let's just say that. Let's come back Thursday. Everybody watch wrestling. See what they think. See if we can figure this stuff out, everyone. Sounds like a plan. Thanks so much, Sid. Thank you, Thank Sid. you Rob. Thank you uh, for joining us tonight, Steve. It's always good to see and hear from you. Take it easy there in Canada. Everybody keep their noses clean. And see you back here Thursday night on The Vicious Circle. You've been listening to The Vicious Circle Podcast. Your host, Sid Udi. Co-host, Rob Bellamy. Additional research by Pete Marsh. The Vicious Circle Podcast is produced by Two Cousin Road Trip Productions, a division of JX3 Media Productions. The intro music is Unleash the Giants by Cemetery Spawn, and the outro music is Digging Space by Mike Trebleco.